Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy for Me and it's about 8 minutes to 6 on Friday evening and I'm kind of wandering around the house in a in a, a state of I don't know, bewilderment, distress, um, uh, hope maybe, maybe there's a bit of hope but I'm waiting to hear if something that I suspect has happened and has been widely reported to have happened today has actually occurred or whether there's that faint bit of hope that we might actually, though we're staring at the abyss at the moment, be dragged back and and, and life, you know, something that I guess I've taken for granted now for a few years and has definitely been a positive uh, may not get extinguished in the way it appears that it's been extinguished. But We'll get to that in a little while. Um, so um, before that, we've got a few other bits that have gone on through the course of the week. So let's let's kick off proper and have some of that. Have some of that guitar. <laughs> I'm struggling to get my head around the whole idea of false positives. Um, and the reason I'm struggling to get my head around this idea is that um, obviously it's been the first day back at school uh, today. And um, because my eldest son is at high school, that's involved testing. And... Um, what that's meant is that he wasn't actually um, due to to be back in in lessons today um so he went in purely for uh, his his test one of these lateral flow tests and i don't know how many tests the school administered um today but they got through they got through i believe the entire school though because of the way it was staggered some of those years didn't actually all go back for active lessons today um and of course there's that moment when you're thinking, right, well, is it going to be a, you know, what's the result going to be? Um, but it came back negative and that's fine because he'll be able to go back to school proper tomorrow. But then we get into this whole debate of uh, of false positives because what has been reported is that the lateral flow tests, obviously one of the things that we give up uh, in terms of speed is some level of accuracy and that makes perfect sense. There's always a trade-off. Um, but should a child test positive with a lateral flow test um then the next stage would be would be to have the normal test which takes a day or so to get a response now what that theoretically will do is it will um it will reinforce whether that that you know that positive result is is correct or not so the thought is that uh, you know a, a good proportion of those tests that turn up positive as lateral flow tests will end up ultimately being negative when when the more formal testing or the or the more you know um relied upon test is done the bit that i now can't understand is that if that happens so if you have a child that goes to school and is tested and turns out to test positive on a lateral flow test and therefore is sent home and then the next stage is you have the you know you you have the uh, the normal test that child still has to self-isolate for 10 days, irrespective of what the result is that comes back from the PCR test. And not only does that child have to self-isolate, but everybody in the household at that point would self-isolate because you have been in contact with somebody who's tested positive. So unlike the situation we had with him before, where he'd been in proximity to somebody who tested positive and he had to self-isolate, but 
everybody else in the household didn't. In this particular circumstance, because he would have tested positive, then all of us would have to therefore, um, you know, isolate. Which leaves this crazy possibility of a scenario that he could incorrectly test positive. It could have been proven within a day that he's not. And yet both him and his brother would have to stay at home and not be allowed anywhere, even though there is no COVID. So I don't quite know at that point what we're protecting, but all I would know is that we would be deprived of two weeks worth of of schooling. Now, we can go back to the things I said last week and whether I was sure about the schools going back or not. That's a different argument. They've gone back. And the point is now that that, to me, makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Um, and I'm still struggling to get my head around this. But because the false positive rate can be anything up to 3 or 4%, then there's going to be, when you when you times that out over the country, there's going to be a lot of kids who are going to find themselves COVID-free at home, missing another two weeks of, of school. And, 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 and I cease to see how there's any logic in that system whatsoever. Tuesday. I was on a call today and there was a... Um, uh, a, a person from Sainsbury's that was talking about uh, Sainsbury's drive towards net zero and how they were trying to understand how they turned a business like Sainsbury's into a net zero operation. Um, and it was it was it was fascinating, but it was fascinating because, as with all these kind of things, you end up coming back to something that wasn't what you expected. So I think we all have an idea of what we can and can't do for the good of the planet. And we've managed to think about those things over the years in the in the way you'd expect to think about those things. So, you know, we've 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 gone through recycling, we've gone through things like solar panels, we've gone through things like, you know, originally um, moving away from leather fuel, we've gone we've you know, we're we're now moving towards um um, electric cars so there's lots of things that we're thinking about and thinking right well surely it is better for the planet if we you know if we do those things what was interesting about what um was being said was that the biggest way we can impact as individuals on um you know on 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 positively impact on uh, on the planet is is not in the way we think so actually stopping an odd flight, um, buying an electric car, all those kind of things, whilst they make a difference, will make nothing like the difference of not wasting food. So um, the the point they made was that, you know, 10, 15, 20% of food that we buy, we end up throwing straight into bin. And because of that, the amount, um, the the emissions and um, and what's gone into producing and transporting and moving that food um, has meant that in reality, because it's ultimately been wasted, that's that's an that's a that's an everyday every every minute every hour every day difference we could make that would uh, that would that would really make a huge difference to the planet. 
And the thing that came out of it was that it's not only what we waste, but it's also what we eat. So that actually, if and I know I know this is something that came out of uh, that's come from school with regard to this thing called the Eat Well Guide, and which which talks to less red meat, more fruit, more veg, yada yada yada. I mean the things that we all know will make us healthier. Um, but if if as a if as a country or as if if as a planet, you know we we just resolve to to the Eat Well Guide, then that that essentially that that you know that probably is the best thing collectively we could do for the planet and and i'm sure i've heard those strands in you know in isolation but i just not picked up on the enormity of it i've not picked up on the sheer senselessness of the food that's produced because there's demand there for it that ultimately there isn't demand there for it because it's wasted and then what the carbon cost is what the cost to the planet is of that waste, uh, and I think I thought it was a really eye-opening um, presentation, and certainly very interesting when it came from somebody like Sainsbury's, because in in reality, what they're saying, they're almost saying, if if we sold less to the same number of people, theoretically, then then we would we would get to net zero far quicker, because in reality that that food wouldn't be that food wouldn't be wasted so quite a quite an interesting thing quite i, I it wasn't something i was expecting the presentation came completely in, in another call based on something else and i was i was really 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 piqued my interest wednesday i've started watching jonathan creek again now, Jonathan Creek's one of those things. I don't know if this is translated around the globe. I don't know if Jonathan Creek's a thing in the US. It's a very British show, but then I know a lot of these very British shows do actually do actually translate across. Um, and I mentioned it to a couple of people who um, are considerably younger, and they sort of were like, well, what's Jonathan Creek? Which is one of those things that is crazy because you remember when it first came out. But, uh, or at least I do. Um but I've started, I, for whatever reason, I was looking for something to watch this week. I, it was on the iPlayer. I switched on episode. I'd not, I've not seen all of it. I remember w- watching it avidly in the, the early series, but, but not as much of it as it moved on. So I, I've started to pick back up on a few of the episodes that I can't remember whether I watched or whether I hadn't. And, um, and it's very much comfort watching, there's no doubt. But it reminded me of the fact that that's that's something that we kind of do really well. This kind of this kind of comedy drama, kind of detectivey kind of thing. Uh, I mean, it's it's played really nicely and very well put together. But it, it the the parallel really um, is with something that my son's watching a lot of, which I've never watched. But apparently, the kids are going mad for for dip. For, for death in paradise so um there's a whole raft of of uh, you know josh's year at school that are all watching and have gone through and watched all of of, of death in paradise and it made me think well that's actually quite similar to to probably how i felt about Jonathan Creek, because it's this kind of, you know, slightly surreal thing. Yes, it's got death and murder in it, but it's not played in an overly, 
gruesome kind of way and there's definitely humor in in that and i suppose another example would be something like midsummer murders but it just i don't know it's just something that we tend to do nicely and well and reinvents itself very very well and 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 you know it doesn't seem to have an age barrier if if i look at something like dip i'm gonna i'm gonna try and introduce josh to jonathan creek and see what he thinks but um it's somewhat reassuring to know that generationally the these things which as i say i just think we do really well as a country just seem to be carrying on thursday i like the idea of fixing a washing machine and by that i don't mean me fixing a washing machine though i quite be quite nice to be able to fix a washing machine but the point is i like the idea of a washing machine that is able to be fixed um when I was growing up, everything was fixed. If something went wrong, it it was repaired. You know, I remember video recorders being repaired. I remember TVs being repaired. I remember washing machines or tumble dryers, ovens, all being repaired. You know, people used to tinker and repair cars in the days before you had to plug a car in to, for, for the car to tell you what was actually wrong with it. Um, and I don't like where we've ended up. I don't like that um, that we're in a situation now where effectively obsolescence has been manufactured in and where price points are such that you very quickly arrive at an argument where if something goes wrong, it is not worth the hassle to get it repaired. And um, the government's announced something this week about white goods and and white goods being you know have have effectively having a, a shelf life of you know a decade or whatever it might be and that they should be built in a way that that guarantees that that's the case which means you will have to repair them um you know certainly with regard to washing machines they go through quite a lot of stress so it it's i think it's the right thing to do and i think you know it talks to the second bit of, i guess about sustainability but it's just it's it's just better whether it's better for the I, I mean here's the thing will we accept higher price goods if they're fixable and the answer to that should be yes we should we should accept higher price goods if they're fixable we should look and say actually do you know what instead of buying three washing machines over a 10 year period at 300 quid a go maybe we buy one washing machine at 500 quid and then accept a couple of hundred quids worth of maintenance but that in all of that time, that's better not only for the, you know, for the planet, but also probably for the economy. Um, the amount of money probably generated in a washing machine sale probably means it's actually more beneficial to the actually economy at large. If if it was bought and then repaired a couple of times rather than three new units having been sold, because if we're not careful, all that's going to happen is we're going to be left with online retail and logistics companies and I guess very little else. So back to where we started i just like the idea of things being built in a way that means that actually they are they are sustainable friday in the introduction for therapy for me way back before there even was a therapy for me episode i talked about um three things 
that had kind of been the root of starting this podcast. Um, one of one of which was government related and Brexit. Um, one of them was um, a, um, a a jolt in my career, and the final one was Sheffield United um, getting promotion to the Premier League. And more importantly, Sheffield United going on a journey from being despairing in League One to actually being a Premier League football team. And that was largely built around um, a management team of Chris Wilder and Alan Nil. Now, Chris Wilder's been the face of that, so it's easy to forget there's two of them in the relationship. Uh, You know, in the same way, it was easy to forget that there was Peter Taylor along with Brian Clough. But, um, But it looks like... It looks very much like the fact that Chris uh, Chris Wilder has, has, is leaving Sheffield United. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's nailed on that we're going to go down this year. We've had a horrible season. Everything that could possibly go wrong, everything that could go right last year has gone wrong this year. There's nothing we can we can't we can't do a lot of uh, you know about it. And there's been odd glimmers, and it was beautiful to win at Old Trafford. But in reality, you know, the the writing's on the wall. But what what I hope had been learnt with a great case examples and Norwich is a, is a perfect example at the moment who have stuck with their manager and look like they're going to bounce straight back to the Premier League is that we the the best man to have taken us back was the man who was currently there and for whatever reason the owners of the club don't want to follow that path there's been a, there's clearly been that that you know that common in common football parlance there's clearly been a breakdown between the manager and the and the owner and you know for whatever reason the owner wants to tinker and that's fine because it's his football club so i guess he he you know he can but i don't think he probably realizes that everything about owning Sheffield United has come about because of Chris Wilder because in reality he mortgaged you know he was able to mortgage the value of a team that was virtually worthless when he got involved when they were in League One to be in the Premier League and essentially allow him to move money about and find himself in a situation where he owned a football club, which he got for an absolute song. So um, the the point for me, yeah, I mean, the thing with being a football fan, of, of the vast majority of football fans, um, is that it's... It's a, it's a life of disappointment um, and you are constantly, you know, you are constantly disappointed. Um, you build up expectation, you build up hope, you you persuade yourself, you know, by every Saturday that, that this week's going to be different. You arrive with hope and that ridiculous sense of optimism and invariably of football fans we know we get let down with that because there can only be one t- team that wins the premier league and there can only be one team that wins the fa cup and there can only be one team that wins you know the league cup and in some in years it's the same team so in reality if there's 92 clubs and you know and you're not in the top five or ten then the chances are success isn't coming your way anytime soon um but you get these moments where a man comes along who understands the people who follow that club because he's a fan and he understands the city because that's where he's from and he absolutely gets it and what he does is he takes everybody on a journey with him and he just galvanises and pulls everything together. So all those years 
of mismanagement, all those years of, you know, of, of penny pinching decisions and poor decisions and ridiculous performances and, you know, all that goes away because one man comes along and says, I, I get this, I get this football club, I get you and I'm going to give you something to be proud of. And for whatever reason, for the last four and odd years, you know, I've been very proud of my football team. And it's easy to say these things don't matter. It's easy to say it's just a game. It's easy to say, I get all of that. I'm not necessarily going to disagree with that. Except outside of maybe your parents and maybe a sibling, um, this this will be the longest relationship I have in my life um, because I first went to a football match when I was six and that bug caught me then and that will not now go away. That will, you know, even to the point where I can't go, you know, even at a point in the future, you know, because I'm going to live to at least 100. So even at a point in my late 90s when I can't get to games, it will still be there. That's not going to go away anytime soon. So you you can call it out for being what it is, and 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 that's fine. But it is, it's a very significant relationship, and when you have those moments of perfection, or perfection is maybe a bit harsh. When you have those moments in a relationship when everything just slots and works, and you feeling positive and you're just overflowing um, because what you're seeing in front of you is is everything you'd hope to see. Um, you know, they they don't seem to last as long as perhaps you'd like them to. And of course, it's been made even harder by the fact that we've not even been allowed to be there for the, the vast majority of that season so for the two seasons we'll have had in the Premier League um, actually we've only got to go to maybe just over half of half of, of one of them so I mean as, as it stands at the moment we don't know but I think in reality they're just hammering out the deal and the compensation all those kind of things I think it'll probably be formalized you know probably formalized tomorrow but it's a huge huge shame and it's a really short-sighted step and it shows a, a, a real disregard um, for those thousands and thousands and thousands of people who feel exactly the same way, uh, you know, as I do about uh, about a football team. So, um, I yeah, um, I'm constantly disappointed by my football team, but t- tonight I just feel a little bit let down. Um, which seems a remarkably depressing way to to end, to end the show, but uh, or to, to end the podcast. But um, you never you never know. You never know. We might we might have that that bounce and beat Leicester over the weekend. I, I, I at this point I actually don't care. I actually any interest in the remainder of the seasons kind of been you know sucked out of me at this point. So we'll just we'll just get through and we'll see where it takes us. <laughs> If you've enjoyed Therapy for Me, then please subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production.